Hey guys, thank you so much for listening in to the College Age Movement Podcast. We are in week two of our series entitled Fruits. And what we're doing is we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit that we find in the book of Galatians. And uh, we know that there are just so many things that are foundational to who we are. And it starts with this idea of, of all of these different fruits of the Spirit. Last week we talked about uh, love and joy. And a couple of things that we talked about was that Jesus communicated love in so many different ways. He, he was an, a master communicator, especially when it came to communicating love. But one of the main ways that he communicated love was by instilling worth in people, that he found people on the fringes. He found people that, that were considered the least of these in culture. And he said, no, you have value. You have worth. I have communicated and I want to instill worth in you. And he still communicates that to you and I today, that we are people who he sees so valuable, that he he knows are so worth it. And the second thing that we talked about was this idea of joy, and that joy is this settled assurance to praise God in every situation, a settled assurance that it's something that, that brings us back to our core and our foundation. And, and like, like that, almost all the fruits of the Spirit serve as these solidifying forces in our lives. If we would say, hey, yes, I want these things to be present in my life, we'll find that we're going to be a little bit more like Jesus every single day. So this week, we're going to talk about the concept of peace. And peace has a lot of different definitions. When you consider a biblical perspective and a cultural perspective, it gets pretty wide. But there's this word that's used in scripture called shalom. And the, this Hebrew word for peace would carry a broad idea of wholeness, harmony, completeness, and more. Wholeness, harmony, completeness, and more. So what we can understand is that the concept of peace isn't necessarily black and white. It's not one specific thing, but feelings are hard to place. The feelings about peace, at least, are hard to place inside specific parameters. So what I, what I want to do is I want to pose this as the definition that we operate with as we move forward. The sense of well-being despite circumstance. The sense of well-being despite circumstance. This is an idea that, that I heard a couple years ago from, from my pastor, Pastor Nate, and uh, he, he said that, and I was like, man, that centered me. That gave me a really, really good perception of what peace actually is. So it's really important that, that we understand that peace isn't just the absence of conflict or hostility. It goes beyond that. And there are specific areas of our lives where we need to see peace and we need to have peace to fully tap into the life that God has called us to live. So there's three, three areas that I want to talk about today. The first one is this, is peace with self peace with self. Romans chapter eight, verse six says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. One of the largest components of trying to find peace in our own lives is the battle with our mind. The person you spend the most time with is you, right? And so often we get, we get stuck inside of our head and we start thinking about all the different things and it's hard to shut our minds off. I don't know about you, but I find myself going to bed with a really busy mind and I wake up with a really busy mind. And that's not necessarily a good thing that we would be people who are constantly going, we need to be able to have peace within ourselves because it's really important to understand that it will be so far hard for us to have peace in other areas of our lives if, there isn't, if there's constantly trouble within our own self. And I know this sounds a little bit like self-help, but scripture is so clear when it comes to this idea of establishing our, ident our identity. And that's such a, a vital part of having peace with self, that we would understand our identity and know where our identity lies. So I want to talk about three areas within this idea of having peace with self that make up significant parts of our identity. The first part would be this, is who you were. We get so stuck here in who we 
were. We think about everything that we've done or we think about everything that we haven't done and we let that define us. But it's really important that we look at what God's word says about who we were. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, his grace, while it obviously covers who we are today, absolutely covers who we were. God looks at every single moment of our lives and says, yep, I died for that. I died for that mistake. I died for that success. I died for that revelation. I died for that failure. I died for that. And it's so important as we walk through our lives that we would understand that his grace is continuous and it spans our entire life. From the moment that we are born to the moment that we die, Jesus's grace is sufficient. It is enough. And I I understand it. Like our our human capacity makes it really hard for us to, to understand complete forgiveness. But I want to say this, Jesus didn't die on the cross and forgive our sins so that we could carry around unforgiveness for ourselves. Jesus did not die on the cross and forgive our sins so that we could carry around unforgiveness towards ourselves. Romans 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 6 is this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. New isn't necessarily perfect, but it's better. Sometimes we have this this misconception that that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, all of a sudden we're going to be perfect human beings, no more sin, no more trouble, life is good. And we know, those of us who follow Jesus, we know that that's not true. But what we do know is that the old self is dead, the new self is born, and that's a continuous thing because there's new to be had every single day, and our goal is to be a little bit better tomorrow than we are today, and let that be something that we live by every single day moving forward. The second part is this, who you are, who you are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful night light. You are a chosen people. We are chosen. We are absolutely chosen. I don't know about you, but but I have vivid memories of being in elementary school, and, and we got on the schoolyard. Now uh, I have kids in elementary school, and they, and they count off to make teams. But back in the day, you you had two two captains, and you got chosen, right? You picked, and there was nothing worse than being the last pick because if you were the last pick, you were the only person who really didn't get chosen. On some level, you you got picked, you got chosen as long as you weren't the very last person. And I remember that being like a significant moment in in my school days where I was like, man, I I want to be the first one picked. I want to be the guy that is wanted. And it it doesn't just stop in elementary school. It doesn't just stop when we're young, that we want to be chosen. We want people to choose us. We want people to choose us in, in our relationships. We want to feel like God is choosing us. And this is significant that we would understand that, that Jesus does choose us. He chose us when he decided to die on a cross for us, but he chooses us every single day in the good days and the bad days, that Jesus chooses you and I. 
And, and it's really important that we know that and that we live by that because when we have that perspective, it changes how we operate in our day-to-day lives, that we would know that we are a chosen people. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, we we are God's children, and this has to be at the core of our identity over and over throughout history. God made it so clear that he is our heavenly father. There's an amazing amount of peace to be found in understanding that we are well-regarded, that that we are, are people that he looks at and says, that is my son, that is my daughter, I'm so excited to have them in my family, and that we would know that, that he's not just an angry, militant God up in the sky, but he is our heavenly father. I'm reading a book right now by Louis Giglio, Giglio, and it's called Not Forsaken. And it's been really, really phenomenal. I'm only uh, about four chapters in, but the whole premise is how important it is to to understand our need for, for a father. And it's not just about our heavenly father, but having the perspective that we have Abba Father. We have our, our God who who is there and present, and he loves us so much. And, and what's really hard, and one of the things that he talks about early on in the book is that we have this perception that whether we have a good dad or a bad dad or, or a a dad that we never knew here on earth, we start to project those feelings that we have onto God when we hear about God, our father. And and I had a great dad. Like I have a great dad. He's, he's an amazing man. I'm so thankful for who he is, but I still have the tendency to project him onto, to God and say like, well, that's, that's the way that I view father God. It's just this normal guy who, who loves me a lot, but He's not all powerful. He's not all these different things. But what's really important for us to understand is that God is not a mirror of our our earthly fathers, but he's the perfection of our earthly fathers, that everything that we could ever want in a father, he is and more. He is a loving God. He is a God that corrects, but corrects out of love in the most perfect ways. And everything that he does as a father is absolutely perfect. So it's so important that we understand that we are chosen and that we aren't just chosen, but that we are heirs to the king, that we are God's chosen children, that we are people that he looks at and he is well pleased. So who you were, who you are, and then third, who you are called to become, who you are called to become. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. We will find peace about our identity, but we will find our peace in our identity when we when we pursue it together. It's important that we understand that we're not in this alone. We will see how God wants to specifically use us as we get around people who are like us, and especially as we get around people who aren't like us. That as we get around people who have similar giftings as us, but people who have very different giftings, people who might even disagree with our life perspective, they might not even follow Jesus, but it's good to get around people and understand how God wants to specifically use you because there is no other you. And I know that that sounds cheesy and I know you've probably heard that in all kinds of different places, but it's important that we understand that God uniquely designed you for a reason, that nobody has the relationships that you have. Nobody has the influence that you have. Nobody has the perspective that you have. And it's so important that we get around people and we start to hone and define who it is that God is wanting us to be. I know that growing up, I knew that I I had gifts and I knew that I had talents and I knew that there were things that, that were slightly unique to me, but I didn't feel super empowered or equipped until I found a community of people to give me perspective. 
I needed people to pull me along. I needed people to challenge me. I wanted to be somebody who challenged other people and who asked questions, who answered questions and all those different things. And that's where I felt like I actually started to become who it was that God had designed me to be. We might not know the specifics yet, but we know that we are a part of the bigger picture. We know that we're a part of the bigger picture, and we know that the people in our lives and that are part of our churches and that are part of our, our movements and all of those different things, they're a part of the bigger picture. And the bigger this bigger picture leads us into this next area in our lives where we need to find peace. So we have peace with ourselves, and we find that through who we were, who we are, who we are called to become, and we, and we lean into who Jesus has called us to be through all of those different things and understand that he's been there the entire time. So we have peace with self, and then we have peace with others. Peace with others. Relationships are tricky business. Uh, We all know that. Most of us probably have a relationship or two where we do not have peace about that relationship. There's something going on, troubled waters, whatever it may be. We don't feel really confident in those relationships. But for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, it's really important to understand that God calls us to be people who bring peace into relationships, that we are bringers of peace. Psalm chapter 34, verses 13 through 14 says, keep your tongue from evil evil, and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek and pursue. Ah, uh, man, it feels a little bit different than my preferred method of sit back and hope for the best. Like seek and pursue. We have to be people who are aggressively pursuing peace in our relationships. And I I understand relationships are obviously a two-way street, but we better be making dang sure that we are doing our part. There's this misconception where it's like, well, I bring 50% and you bring 50% and that makes a healthy relationship. No, a healthy relationship is when I give 100% of myself towards that relationship and hope that the other person does the same thing. As followers of Jesus, we don't hold back our love. We don't hold back our affection. We don't hold back our truth and our grace and all of those different things. We are people who are 100% bought into the relationships, and we're going to do whatever we can to bring peace and steadiness into those relationships. Too often we associate peace with passivity, and we have to understand that peace is not passive, but it's purposeful. Peace is purposeful. It does not happen outside of intentional decisions It does not happen by itself. We have to, whether it's with our friends, our family, our coworkers, or anywhere else, we have to be purposeful in bringing peace into our relationships. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. See, if we're going to see peace in our relationships with one another, it has to be something that it's at the forefront. It cannot be something pushed to the back burner, and it will not be something that just happens. We have to be intentional. We have to be people who are aggressively pursuing peace. But another part of this is this, is that we have to be people who readily accept peace. We have to be people who readily accept peace. I think that one of my problems is that in my relationships is that if I'm ready to bring peace into a situation, I get all hyped up to bring peace, to be the peacemaker, to be that person who's, who's going to settle the waters or whatever it may be. 
But if I'm not ready for it yet, and somebody comes in with an apology, or they come in with truth, or they come in whatever, they're trying to bring peace into our relationship, I get really defensive sometimes because I'm not the one who has decided that it's time for peace. But we have to be people as followers of Jesus who are readily accepting of peace, that we aren't going to create more barriers to peace being in our relationships. We cannot be too proud when somebody extends an olive branch. We have to be people who aggressively pursue peace, but also when somebody else takes takes the initiative, we have to be people who readily accept peace as well. So we have peace with self, peace in our relationships, and the third area would be this, peace with God. Peace with God. You see, human beings have always tried to make themselves presentable before God or the gods, depending on, on what part of human history they were a part of. And we just have this innate feeling of, of feeling separated from God and this need to, to close this proverbial gap. That there's this gap that we just, we have to close. But the sad thing is this, is that there is no gap to close. There's no gap to close when it comes comes to us and God. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, talking about the, the, the prophetic... Uh, calling of the Messiah coming to earth. And this is this is way before Jesus comes, but Isaiah, prophet, chapter 9, verse 6, says this. He says, for, us to, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And Prince of Peace. See, a Prince of Peace was freely given for you and for me. He was given by his father to come to earth, and then he died on a cross willingly for you and for me. You see, there isn't a gap to close because he already closed it. He came to us. He pursued us and continues to pursue us. You see, Jesus closed the gap. So we need to stop thinking about how we're going to close the gap to get closer to God. He is near. He is right next to us. The New Testament is a continuous reminder of why, why he did it, how he did it, and how we can continue to lean into this God that cares so deeply for us and who is so near. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God that we would be people who are constantly communicating with God, that it would be a priority every single day, and that we would understand that it doesn't need to be anything crazy. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be honest. That we would be people who are constantly communicating honestly with our creator. And then we would say, Father, like I, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. This is how I need you to move in my life. I have questions, all of these different things. But we would be people who prioritize communication with God. And then John chapter 16, verse 33, is a second way that we lean into this idea of having peace with God. It says, uh, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is Jesus talking. You will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we need to have faith. We need to have that settled assurance that we talked about in joy, but we need to have a settled assurance in the peace with God that he would care so deep, deeply for us. And we need to have faith in that. We need to have faith that, that he he's desperate for our relationships too. He wants us to have healthy relationships, that he's desperate that we would have a life that is life-giving, that is full of so many good things, that we would just be people who live lives that he's called us to live. He says, cast your anxieties on me, cast your stresses on me, cast your problems on me, and know that I will bring you peace. You're going to have all these things. There's going to be trouble, but but take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So let's do it. Let's figure out how to be intentional about having peace with ourselves, peace with the people in our lives, and peace with God.
And if we can do those things, like we said at the beginning, it'll, it'll serve as a foundational element of who we will be moving forward for the rest of our lives. Thanks again for tuning in to the College Age Movement Podcast. We love you guys so much. If you are in the Billings area, come hang out with us 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights here at Faith Chapel. If not, we'll talk to you next week here on the College Age Movement Podcast.